These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above, in heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thank you, Kelvin. And um, that was probably one of the tougher readings that um, you'd have, particularly with all those names. Did extremely well. I think we should give him a small room. I think it was a good. That's to encourage everyone else who gets asked to do a Bible reading. So I want to extend my welcome to that of um, Abby's. And uh, we, um, all over the world, right today, people are celebrating the day of Pentecost. Uh, it's the birth of the church. And I'm going to be preaching about that shortly from the Acts chapter 2 reading. But let me just further to what Abby was talking about on the 18th of June, let me just mention some other aspect of that. So what we're doing today is we're going to launch a survey, an electronic survey. And it's part of this process for in preparation for the 18th of June, which as Joy mentioned last week, we've got this short snappy title called SKP Reflects, Tunes In and Imagines. So we're reflecting on what God has done. We want to understand what he's doing at the moment and we want to discern what he's um, going to be doing in the future. Now, for those who've been involved in this church community for a while, which I must, must admit isn't that long actually because we've only been going a short time, but we had an information session last October and we did some work around our core values. And that was a great exercise. That was eight months ago. And we've been meeting as a church community here for 15 weeks and so we want to basically discern what the Lord's calling us as we move forward in the next 12 months so this questionnaire is going to be available as a link um, it'll be in the newsletter this coming Wednesday so if you don't get the newsletter then my encouragement is to sign up as the way Abby described it it's very simple um, and then you'll in the newsletter, there'll be a link, and we're asking you, it's one of those very straightforward surveys, you just click various things, but we're asking you to do it over the next two weeks. So the survey is going to close midnight on the 11th of June, and uh, we really encourage everyone who calls Seeds Church, Seeds Corolla Park, their home, to, to make use of this newsletter. Now, if you are someone who hasn't got an email address, I do happen to have a few hard copies here old school method, but we still have some hard copies. So if you haven't got an email address, then out the foyer there, there are some hard copies. But I would encourage folks to make use of the electronic version. It's very straightforward um, and uh, will be very helpful as we have our special meeting on the 18th of June. And as Ali, Abby mentioned, we're going to have, dare I say it, a bit of hot soup, crusty bread. It's going to be great. But let me um, 
Let me have a word of prayer now as we look into God's word. Heavenly Father, I ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable in your sight. That your Holy Spirit would speak to us and lead us into truth and understanding. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder whether you've ever um, been asked to make a promise. Um, for those who uh, are married amongst us, um, you make, you've probably made some special promises some time ago. In some cases, it's a long time ago, just looking out there. Um, probably looking at myself, actually, to be fair. Um, but just as I mentioned about a month, six weeks ago, I married, I performed the cer- my first marriage ceremony and uh, I led a couple, happened to be my, um, my daughter and uh, son-in-law, in these vows. And there's some very significant promises. And uh, just in case you're, um, some of you who have been married for some time or thinking about getting married, because I know there's some people in that category here today, um, things like, I take you to be my husband or wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Sound familiar to some folks? I'm hoping that uh, Caleb and Bree can remember this because it was only a short time ago. A short examination about this later. To love and to cherish as long as we both shall live. This is my solemn vow or solemn promise. There's other sorts of promises that get made. Sometimes there are promises made in the lead up to an election. Political promises. And uh, some years ago, there were a lot of promises made and the party that won government decided that they perhaps couldn't keep all of those promises and so they brought them down to a core promise. I'm not sure what a core promise was and a non-core promise, but there was this definition of a core promise. So we have lots of promises and and, um, young children often get, will say, I promise to do this, promise to clean up my room. We have a, a, a lot of language around promises. And I've got a definition of a promise which should be coming up to the screen. A declaration or assurance that one will do something or that a particular thing will happen. A particular thing will happen. And today we are celebrating the promise of the Holy Spirit. Let me have a... Um, in Luke chapter 24, Jesus was giving some absolutely parting instructions to, um, to his disciples. And he was, um, he was in this room. He appeared to the disciples. And, uh, and then in verse 45, we read this. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And this is the next key part. I am going to send you what my father has promised. So there's the 
this is the, the absolute importance of Pentecost. Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city. In other words, stay in Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high. Now, this was about 40 days after the resurrection. And in another 10 days time, they were all assembled and the day of Pentecost actually happened. But the important thing was that Jesus said he was going to send you, send to them what his father had promised. The promise of the Holy Spirit. And one of the outcomes of that is that the people would be clothed with power, not from themselves, but from on high. And bear in mind, we're talking here about a couple of hundred people who were pretty scared, really, even though Jesus had reappeared to them, they were an absolute minority in a Roman-dominated society, this brand-new group of believers, and did they ever need to be clothed with power? Because they were, they were fearful people. There were a lot of things against them. And the promise was that the Holy Spirit was going to come and that they would be clothed with power from on high. Now, if I just pick up now in the book of Acts, about this promise. The same author, Luke, wrote the book of Acts. And uh, in Acts chapter 1, there's a parallel passage to here. And Luke records it's here in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 or 5. On one occasion, it's the same occasion which we just read about, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. For the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, as in John the Baptist, baptized um, with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So that's the prelude to what's happening in the next chapter. So here we have, first of all, we're talking about the Holy Spirit today. We understand that the Holy Spirit is a promise promised by the Father, but also um, Luke records the fact that Jesus said, wait for the gift my Father has promised. So the gift of the Holy Spirit is what we're celebrating today, a promise from the Father and a gift. And they were told to wait for the gift my Father has promised. And then we have this incredible event which uh, Kelvin read to us in Acts chapter 2. And I want to just go for a moment to the promise. What is this promise? And Peter, now bear in mind, here's this bloke Peter. Now we need to understand the context that it wasn't that long ago, about 50 days earlier, that Peter, who had told the Lord that he was dependable, that you, I will never let you down, Jesus, Peter had denied the Lord three times. When the crunch came, Peter denied even, even knowing Jesus on the, just before the crucifixion. So this same Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he stands up and he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. So this is an absolute demonstration of this. Peter was clothed with power from on high because he was boldly standing up in front of all the people and preaching, but he, he made reference to the promise. 
And this is the promise, and, and it's found in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And Peter is making reference now to what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This promise was spoken about five or six hundred years earlier. So here is Peter, this rough and ready fisherman, filled with the Spirit, standing up, preaching, and he's quoting from this bloke, Joel, who had given a prophecy about 600 years earlier. And this is the prophecy. In the last day, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. That's the prophecy that came to fruition on the day of Pentecost. Now, folks, what's exciting about this is that firstly, the promise is that God will pour out his spirit on all people. And we don't want to just sort of let this go through the keeper. This is really significant because in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew scriptures, the Holy Spirit was only ever given to certain individuals on certain occasions for certain events. So, for example, if you've ever heard about Samson, you know, I mean, if you've ever been through a Sunday school background, you would have heard about Samson. And uh, he had a man of great strength, had a few issues along the way. But his strength, Samson's incredible strength came from the Holy Spirit. You read about these prophets like Elijah and Elisha. And they, they had special uh, ministries because empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was given to certain individuals at certain times for certain reasons. But only certain individuals. Moses was filled with the Spirit. David, King David, was, was a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. But it was only certain individuals who had received this anointing. But here, this promise which came to fruition on the day of Pentecost, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. All people. And then it notice says, it says that they were, it says, your your sons and daughters will prophesy. So God's spirit was poured upon all people irrespective of their gender. Now, this is really significant because I've got to tell you, folks, if you're a woman in those times, your status wasn't that great. You know, there's I, I found this reference that there was this prayer that um, Jewish men used to pray, which went like this. Thank you, God, that I'm not a Gentile, a slave or a woman. That was, that was the prayer that Jewish men used to pray. Because if you were a woman, your status wasn't that great. But here we have this promise that the Holy Spirit is poured upon all people irrespective of their gender. So, And Jesus had some revolutionary things to say about women. It was the women who came to the tomb. And Paul had used women to... Um, to share the gospel. So when Christianity came into the world, the role of women was incredibly transformed. But you can imagine that 600 years before the day of Pentecost, this prophecy that sons and daughters would prophesy seemed outrageous. Women prophesying. We take it for granted these days. In fact, I feel a bit nervous even talking about the subject. But, um, but here we have the Holy Spirit pouring, uh, being poured out upon all people, irrespective of their gender, 
And then it goes on to say, that we might just keep that verse up of verse 17 if we could. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So irrespective of your age. So it's irrespective of your gender and irrespective of your age. So it doesn't matter, folks, whether you're um, very young in your years and even young in your faith or whether you're a more mature person today, if I could use that term in a broad sense, and perhaps haven't got quite as much hair as you first had or it's changed colour and it's been disguised by some treatment. Either way, it doesn't matter. Irrespective of your age. You don't have to have done 25 years of diligent Bible study for God's Holy Spirit to be poured out upon you. So in these last days, which we're living in now, God's Spirit is poured upon all people, irrespective of their gender, irrespective of their age. And then, oh, and, I, and we, I haven't got, or maybe I've got verse 18, if I can get it up there. It says, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in these days. And basically, that's another word for slaves. So, what the promise is, not only does it matter what your gender is or your age, but what your status in life is. Because we're talking about slaves here or servants. Irrespective of your status, God's spirit is available and was poured out upon all people on the day of Pentecost. And that's why across the world today, taking into account the different time zones, Christians all over the place are, are celebrating this incredible occasion and that's why we have this display here and the, the three candles representing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because the promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost that God's Spirit would be poured out upon all believers. How good is that? And folks, can I say that you might say, well, Mark, you know, that's fine, but that was 2,000 years ago and it is 2,000 years ago. But today, today, even right now in Corolda Park in this church building, we can know the filling of the Holy Spirit, even today. And that's why with sort of some of the songs we just sang before talk about a fresh wind, pouring, God pouring his Spirit out. Today, the promise was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Irrespective of your age, irrespective of your gender, irrespective of your status, God's Spirit is available to everyone. How good is that? How good is that? Not just these certain special people in the Old Testament who we read about, but no, everyone, everyone can be filled with the Spirit of God. Let me just talk a little bit about this day of Pentecost. By its name, Pent 5, it's 50 days after the feast of the Passover. And that's why when Jesus appeared for 40 days and gave those last parting words, it was another 10 days before the day of, of Pentecost actually occurred. And there was a massive feast in the life of the Jewish um, culture. And, uh, and many people were gathered in Jerusalem. And, uh, and so there was a big crowd there. And what you observe is some observations about this whole day. And I love this. And going back to Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And so 
there's about 120 believers and they look and Jesus had given these instructions for 10 days earlier to stay in Jerusalem and wait and so they'd been waiting for about 10 days now 10 days to wait for 10 days you know it's, it's a fairly long wait isn't it when, when you're expecting something to happen any time wait in Jerusalem and they were waiting and and so but it says they were all together in one place so it's talking about unity and one of the things I've noticed is that when the people of God are in unity, then the Holy Spirit can do wonderful things. And that day, they were all there, 120, together in the one place. And what happens? Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And many times in the, old, in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is talked about as like a wind. And in fact, uh, one verse says that the Holy Spirit is like a wind. And he blows where he wills. And one of the things about wind is it's unpredictable. You're never exactly sure when the wind's going to blow and what direction and how long. But the wind blew. And not only a wind blew, but then fire seems to come down. There seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on all of them. And that's why we have the, the red here representing the, the color of the fire. And this amazing thing happens when all these different nationalities, which Kelvin so wonderfully read out to us, they all heard them, these people speaking in their own language. And a remarkable thing, how did this happen? Well, it came about because the Holy Spirit came upon all believers and they received power, they received boldness. Could I just say, folks, that the Holy Spirit didn't suddenly make a magical um, appearance on the day of Pentecost, but can I just remind folks that we worship a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we don't talk as much about the Holy Spirit as I believe we should. And so we're doing a series over the next few weeks about the Holy Spirit. But the Bible talks way back in the book of Genesis that the Spirit of God moved upon the surface of the waters. And one of the things you see in the action of the Trinity is that what's happening on the day of Pentecost is it's a gift promised by the Father Jesus sends the gift, and the gift is the Holy Spirit. That's what's going on here. That the Father initiates through the Son by the power of the Spirit. And so on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit is poured out upon all believers. And, and the, one of the outcomes is, besides them speaking in all these languages or speaking in tongues, they receive power and boldness. And, and Peter demonstrates that when he stands up. So the promise was fulfilled that, that they were clothed with power from on high, filled with the Spirit. Now, Peter preaches a pretty significant message. Now, as a preacher, I'm always interested in other preachers and uh, how they go about things. And I've got to tell you, this was a pretty impressive sermon that Peter preached because at the end of it, he gets his, and, it, and it's music to a preacher's heart. When uh, in verse 37, uh, and, and after the, Peter had preached, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? In the light of all that we've heard and seen, you know, hearing the sound of the violent rushing wind, tongues of fire, the violent rushing wind, Hearing the message that Peter preached, talking about what Jesus had done, 
when the Peter, when the people heard this, they were cut to the cart. Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. If I can get that scripture up on the screen. This is the response of Peter. When the people said, what are we going to do? In the light of this incredible message, in the light of what we've seen about the Holy Spirit being poured out upon all believers, Peter says this. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will, will call. Now, I mentioned this before, but repentance is a really important thing. John the Baptist came preaching about repentance. He said, repent. Jesus, when he returned from his being filled with the Spirit and being tested in the wilderness, started talking about repentance. And Peter, standing up on the day of Pentecost, first thing he says to the people, you've got to repent. And just in case, I've done this a number of times, but repentance is doing a spiritual U-turn where you're going along in a certain direction and you realize that the direction you're going is a bad direction. You realize you're heading in the wrong way. You know that instead of you being in control and wanting to call the shots, you sense that it's not right, that things aren't right in your life, and you need to change your attitude, you need to change your mind, you need to do a spiritual U-turn. Dangerous thing doing this. And, um, and you change your mind and you change your direction because you realize that you're heading in the wrong way. And Peter says to the believers, in the light of what you've heard and seen, you need to repent. You need to turn around. You need to change your mind. And then he goes on to say, repent, every one of you, in the name of the Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you notice it's a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. You don't, and the thing about a gift is, it, a gift is not a reward. We are so fine-tuned and deeply ingrained to have a reward for effort. If you put in the hard yards working, you're going to get paid. If you put in efforts in the sporting field, you're going to be rewarded perhaps with better performance. If you, if you spend many hours practicing these devices in the front here, you're going to be a great musician. You know, we, we, we know that we've got to put in to get an eff, a reward for effort. But no, the Bible talks about the fact that, that the Holy Spirit, he is a gift. And a gift, you don't earn a gift. You receive a gift. You receive a gift. And we need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you repent, if you do that spiritual U-turn, the promise is we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All of us can know the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you know, folks, can I just say that there's not this grading system in the kingdom of God. You know, many years ago, Joy and I um, led a home group we didn't call them growth groups in those days, but we do now. Um, we led a home group in a country town. And there was a chap there, lovely chap, um, farmer. He and his wife would come to our home group. And one day he said, and he had a bit of a slow way of talking. He was a sharp bloke, but he had a slow way of talking. And he, and he said in this small group, he said, Mark, I reckon you're about a nine or a ten. 
and I look at it and I said, what do you mean? He said, and he, and he said, might be gilding a lily of your He might have been a seven or an eight, but um, he said, I reckon that you and Joy are about a seven or an eight out of 10. And he said, me and my wife, he said, we're more about a four or a five. I said, no, no, no. I said, there's not a grading system when it comes to the kingdom of God. There's not this, we don't want to be pulling people up on these pedestals as if they've got this special closeness to God and yet we're just a bit of a struggler and we're just trying to work it out and it's a bit of a, and we look at these other people and they seem to be able to have their lives all together. And, and as we got to know them and they got to know us, I think he, he, not only did he realize that perhaps Joe and I had a few, few faults and weren't really eights or nines, but, but he in turn realized after a while that salvation is a gift. And there's not a grading system in the kingdom of God. We receive the gift. And in God's eyes, we're a 10 out of 10. In our eyes, we might grade ourselves pretty harshly sometimes. And we can be really tough on ourselves. And we might give ourselves, so on some days, we're just a two or a three. But no, if you're trusting in Jesus and you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you're a 10 out of 10 in God's eyes. Amen. That's how God sees us. We need to see ourselves as God sees us, not as we see ourselves. The enemy will remind us of our faults and try and convince us that we're a two or three. But in God's eyes, because of Jesus and the gift, we're a 10. We're a 10. How good's that? You need to remind yourself that in God's eyes, you're a 10. Out of 10. Just in case you're wondering. So we need to respond to this great opportunity and this great offering of the gift. We need to repent. And if, ne- if you've never repented, if you've never changed your attitude, if you've never decided that instead of me being in the driver's seat, I want Jesus to be in the driver's seat, Instead of me being in charge of my life, I want Jesus to be in control of my life. Can I encourage you to do that even now? To repent, to change your attitude. And when we do that, when we repent and look to Jesus, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot more about this, which we're going to um, unpack in the next few weeks. But can I just encourage you folks to receive the gift? You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. The gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit available to everyone who believes. Let's pray. Dear Lord, on this special day, the day of the birth of the church, from where 120 people gathered together in one place, the Holy Spirit just exploded on those people and on that city of Jerusalem. And now there's over 2 billion Christians in the world. And it's the work of your Spirit. I pray, Father, for us here today that this may not be a history lesson about something that occurred 2,000 years ago, but rather, Father, we might respond to the words that Peter said. Repent 
be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, whatever the circumstances around us now, touch our hearts by your Spirit. Soften our hearts and fill us afresh with your Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.